starting to change the mindset of like, I'm going to go in and kill it versus I'm going to turn on all the right muscles, do functional compound movements, full body movements. We're not talking bicep curls or tricep dips and working out smarter, not necessarily as hard as we can. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Have you ever found yourself working out or exercising and afterwards feeling pretty burned out and depleted? As if you used all of that extra energy you had on that hour-long workout, whether it was an Orange Theory class or a high-intensity interval training class or Soul Cycle. Now, this was me last spring. I would work out in the morning for a good solid hour, and I had little to no reserves for the rest of the day. It honestly felt like adrenal fatigue, and that's because it was, along with Hajimoto's. Now, it's no surprise that Hajimoto's has a profound impact on your energy levels and cognitive function. And although today's conversation is about how to jumpstart your workout if you are struggling with Hajimoto's, I want you to know that the recommendations that we are going to be talking about today are applicable to women struggling with fatigue or hormonal imbalances or other autoimmunities. I'm excited to bring on my dear friend, Dr. Emily Kyber, to talk about her experience as a practitioner when it comes to movement and how to move our bodies when we are not feeling our best. Now, before I dive into this conversation, I'm a little excited about launching my summer book club this week on Instagram and Facebook. We just kicked off the book club on Tuesday, and I have been amazed at how many of my readers and listeners jumped on the train to learn more about balancing their hormones. Now, if you are just hearing about it for the first time now, no worries, you are right on time. I just covered chapter one and two this week, and I have many more chapters to go, and it's about to get really good. Now, if you want to join the book club, simply join me on Instagram or Facebook. I will have the links in the show notes. And in order to get the most out of it, try to be there on my lives so that I can get your questions answered. Now, if you can't watch it live, no worries. You can watch it later in the day or later in the week. The lives will be recorded for your convenience wherever you want to check them out, be it Instagram, Facebook, and even YouTube. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit about why I decided to create this summer book club. As many of you know who listen to this podcast often, I have struggled with my own hormone issues, and they really came to a head about 10 years ago. And it was important to me to figure out the root cause of what was going on with not only my hormone issues, but for many, many other women who are struggling. And that journey led me to create this book for you. Now, I'm not going to lie. I never imagined this book would become a national bestseller or a number one health book in the nation. But I believe that this message is really needed right now because we deserve to understand our hormones and our body and we deserve an integrative approach. And that is what this book is all about. I hope that you are able to use the knowledge that you gain from the book club to figure out the exact tools that you need to regain your energy, your focus, and to help you balance your hormones naturally. Now, if you don't have a copy yet of the book, you can always grab it on Amazon. We'll have a link in the show notes on episode number 107. 
And now that you've got the scoop on the Summer Book Club, I hope that you join me so that I can answer your questions and connect in real time. That's my favorite thing to do. My other favorite thing to do is celebrate your wins. I love celebrating you. And one particular health rock star is Stacy Woodard. And I'm excited to shout out her win that she shared on iTunes back in June. Here's what Stacy had to say. Dr. Marisa, you have saved my sleep, my messy, messy hormones, and I continue to learn from you. As a family nurse practitioner who works in a clinic who supports functional medicine, I frequently suggest your podcast and your book to my patients. I love that I have somewhere to point them to for continued education on balancing their hormone health and overall wellness. Thank you so much for your guidance and for helping me on my own personal hormone balancing journey. Well, Stacy, thank you so much, not only for sharing your big win about helping to support your hormones, but I love that you are sharing this podcast and the book and some great resources with your patients. That just shows how much they matter to you and how much their health is a big part of your priority. Now, if you are listening, Stacey, I would love to gift you my beautiful Superwoman blend. Just reach out to me on Facebook or on Instagram at Dr. Marisa, and we will hook you up. Now, if you are listening today, I would love to shout you out too. Celebrating your wins is what it's all about. And I absolutely love hearing from my listeners every single day via Instagram or Facebook and I love reading the reviews on iTunes. It is so exciting to see 270 reviews on iTunes as of today. So if you want, feel free to reach out to me on Insta, on Facebook, or you can review this podcast on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you plug into. Because the more and more that we share this message, the more women will open the door to what's possible when it comes to functional medicine so that we can truly get to the root cause of what is going on. Speaking of that, let's dive into this incredible conversation with Emily. But first, I want to sing her praises. Dr. Emily Kyberg is the founder of Urban Wellness Clinic in Manhattan, New York City, and the creator of Thyroid Strong, an online exercise program designed to help women struggling with Hajimoto's to feel strong and confident in their body. Well, let's bring on Dr. Emily Kyberg. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Dr. Emily Kybird. How are you doing today, girl? I am so excited to sit down with you and chat. I listen to your podcast, by the way, every week, twice a week, and I love it. It's like my top five that I listen to. So, oh my goodness. Oh my, no it makes joke. me feel so good. And oh, you're like a sister from another mother, all the way over <laughs> in New York City, girl. I'll tell you what, I am so happy to have you on, not only because well, you were talking about a topic that is near and dear to my wellness journey right now, but that so many other women are struggling with. And what we're going to be talking about is how to jumpstart your workout if you're struggling with Hajimoto's thyroiditis. Now, before we get into you know why this is an important conversation, what we should be doing, I want to hear your personal struggle. I know that you had struggled with Hajimoto's after having your first baby, baby Elvis. Talk to us a little bit about that journey. Yeah. So four years ago, baby Elvis entered the world and 
I think as new moms, we get told a lot of things. Exhaustion, sleep deprivation is normal. Holding on to that baby weight is normal. Losing your hair, totally normal. Feeling a little sad, depressed, down, totally normal. All the qualities that a new mom should feel. 18 months postpartum still felt extremely fatigued. Could not lose about 20 pounds. And every time I tried to work out, and I've always been super athletic, strength trained, used to do marathons, I would go for like maybe a 20 minute run, that normal 45 minute boutique hit workout would put myself up in bed with fatigue for days. And it created so much stress for my husband. I wasn't able to be there for my kid fully. And I started to go down the the whole the you know the rabbit hole of like, oh my God, what's wrong? Like 18 months later, this is not new mom <laughs> struggles. <laughs> this is like my child's almost a year and a half. Come on. And if you look at pictures of me back then, I looked inflamed and I didn't know it. I had that like morning puffiness in my face, dry red skin. Every time I ate, I looked pregnant again. I was so bloated. And I went the traditional medical route, primary care, gastro, endocrinologist. And I think the one thing that came out of that was I was given acid blockers for an inflamed stomach lining, not knowing that there was more tests, there was root causes that can lead to the symptoms I was having. And I saw multiple functional medicine doctors, supplements, protocols. Again, when I go back and look at my blood work, all that was ever tested was TSH. And then I met Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, our friend, Dr. Lyon, who's also been on your podcast. So she has. (laughs) And she looked at my thyroid antibodies and they, she goes, these are off the charts. You were on your way to an autoimmune disease. I don't know how these six doctors you saw before me didn't pick it up. And this totally explains everything that you are experiencing. And there was lots of root causes, parasites, heavy metal toxicity, molds in my house. So it was a long journey to clean all those things up. And I felt probably 50 to 60% better. But every time I would go work out, and I would play with it. I would go to Pilates, yoga, hit classes, running. It would zap my energy. And I was going too hard. I've always been like, you know, the New York, like work hard, play hard. And I would just burn myself out and cause like a Hashimoto flare up basically. So I took a step back and I was like, okay, how can I do this smarter? Right? Because this working out harder doing body weight stuff is not working. So I started to play with different strength training modalities that I've played with, you know, just with my patients being in practice in New York for the past 12 years, but changing the reps, the weight, form, and really was able to, that that crippling fatigue that you feel when you have Hashimoto's, like you slept 14 hours and you wake up and you're like, I don't know if I can drag myself out of bed. The changes in how I started to strength train and kind of pull back on cardio and some other things really started to give me that extra 
that abundance of energy in the morning. I'm so glad you're sharing that with us. What I wanted to dig into, I have all these, all these thoughts just downloaded because um, there's so many pieces of this story and I know we're going to be focusing specifically on movement, you know, but I want to speak to so often women where we are heading to multiple doctors, we're going the, you know, the traditional route where we've got the endocrinologist, we've got the, 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 maybe the family practitioner, maybe someone's looking at our gut health and yet the pieces are not coming together. And that so often only doctors are looking our, at our thyroid stimulating hormone, right? Our TSH. And, you know, I'm so glad that you spoke to that because you and I both know that that is a pituitary hormone. That is not a thyroid output hormone. And we really cannot gauge what is going on with our thyroid when we're only running that test. And with the ranges of normals that are out there that are alarming, right? That anyone, people could be in such big trouble with, with hypothyroid and Hajimoto's and completely look normal to the average doctor. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. I'm also glad that you mentioned that it's really important to be mindful and listen to our body. I've always been in the mindset, just like you. I don't know if it's just a New York vibe because people ask me if I'm from New York all the time. <laughs> not I'm from California. I just, I was born with like New York jeans, I think. But I always believe that if the workout that I did better kick my butt or it didn't ever feel like a good enough workout. And I always had that, that mode of operation until... I, I was doing that level of workout like you were talking about. And after it, like I had the energy to get through the workout and I kicked as much butt as possible. But then the rest of the day, my energy just tanked. Like I had nothing left in the, in the fuel tank. And I think that's kind of what you're describing as well. If someone's listening, right, if you guys are listening right now and that is happening to you, you're working out and then the rest of your day is shot. We really have to reevaluate what's going on because we both know you and I, Emily, that working out too hard leads to stress in the body. Yeah, absolutely. And especially when you have Hashimoto's, I have a patient, her trainer's program was 45 minutes of cardio followed by 45 minutes of strength training five days a week, Woo, hour and a half. And she gained 25 pounds and her trainer accused her of being lazy and sneaking food. And it broke my heart to hear that because I'm like, girl, you have Hashimoto's. <laughs> like, dial it back, cut up that cardio, strength train differently. It blows my mind. Stress hormones. Can we can we get an amen for the stress hormones? Yeah, this exactly. Of calories in versus calories out, or working hard to drop calories. For and I know it's complex for men too, but specifically, most importantly for women, there are way more players involved. It's not a calories in versus calories out scenario here. I have a confession. I, I'm going to confess. I don't even know if that's the right terminology. Let's hear it, girl. <laughs> We were just talking about me being in Italy and we were in the South of France. We were gone. We were on vacation technically for four weeks and I did not realize how stressed I was before we had left for who knows how long. It had been so unconscious and I had been working on reducing my stress levels, but it was still there underneath behind the scenes. And once we got to Italy, we know I've got Hajimoto's. I'm still working all that out. I'm not fully in remission. And I debated, you know, when I was on this trip, you know, how... How stringent was I going to stay on this vacation? And a part of me knew I was going to come home full throttle back into making my, getting my body back on track. So I kind of just was like, you know what? I'm just going to do me on this trip. I'm not going to follow all the rules. I'm going to break them. You know, I'm going to eat foods that probably aren't always going to be in alignment with, with healing my body. But what was interesting was 
I significantly reduced my stress levels. Like they were, it was like night and day. And despite eating that way, I wasn't dealing with stomach discomfort. I wasn't dealing with inflammation or brain fog. And girl, I didn't gain one pound in Italy. Like, and not to say that that should be the measure, but I realized that stress for me and for so many of us is, is really the driver for so much that's going on in our body. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And how dare that trainer? I know. (laughs) I I was like almost crying when she told me that story. It was heartbreaking. Going back to like the recommendations in terms of blood work is I also think that the typical recommendations in terms of exercise are, they feel archaic. So like the things I've heard are go for a 20 minute walk. That's your exercise. Only do cardio, only do low impact. So like only do yoga, Pilates, an easy bar class, try to go swimming a little bit. And from the research that's out there, we know that a low functioning thyroid leads to low muscle mass. So it's harder to keep your muscle on your body. And we know how important muscle is for hormones. And it's not going to be maintained or built by doing yoga, by doing just Pilates, by doing cardio. The other thing that we know is that our muscle is our metabolic engine. It helps regulate our hormones. And when we have Hashimoto's, our fast twitch fibers, our type 2A fibers, muscle fibers, it's the ones that like sprinters have a lot of, turn into type 1 fibers, which is the muscle fibers that just hold us up. They're our posture fibers. So our actual muscle tissue is not as good quality when we are struggling with Hashimoto's. It makes us a little less resilient, a little less dynamic in our movement. And then we have slower tendon turnover. So it takes us longer to recover when we have Hashimoto's. And all the recommendations of walk, cardio, yoga, are not going to help improve the muscle tissue quality. The only way to do that is through strength training and challenging the muscle, obviously not to the point of like five days a week, an hour and a half a day, but there's a sweet spot. So that's what I have been doing, what I had to do with myself and what I do with the women that come to me with Hashimoto's that have that low muscle mass The other thing that I find, it's not in the research, I feel like it just hasn't been researched yet, (laughs) is this hypermobility, tissue laxity, the joints are unstable, and it's really hard to exercise when you go to pick up a weight and your knees hyperextend, or you go try to do a plank or a push-up and your elbows are hyperextending, or you forward fold and you can palm the floor with your hands when your knees are straight. So there's this component that makes training someone with Hashimoto's, like you have to cue them and dial their program in differently than just like the typical traditional person. 
So it sounds like either we're still working ourselves down to the ground, right? We're burning ourselves out and not sure knowing how to shift that and change that. But then the kind of archaic advice that we're being given is like, okay, just walk, just run, just do a little bit of cardio or Pilates or yoga. And I do think that there's a time and place for those activities as well. But the importance, especially for women, especially women, you know, let's be honest, when often do we get diagnosed with, with Hajimoto's thyroiditis? I personally would say probably in to our late 30s. Would you would you agree with that, Emily? Yeah. I mean, that's when I got diagnosed. <laughs> yes. Usually that's when like the wheels come off and you're just like, oh my goodness, or you know, and you so for me it was I was 38 when I got diagnosed with Hajimoto's. We're also kind of gearing into perimenopause, where muscle mass is also more challenging to keep and metabolic resilience, right? I think a lot of people don't realize how important the thyroid is for every single cell in the body in terms of recovery, in terms of turnover, in terms of metabolic resilience. I mean, every cell, your thyroid is playing a role one way or the other. And we just don't, we don't realize the implication of, of having a low thyroid or low functioning thyroid. So the one thing that I think we need to be mindful of that I don't think we tell enough women is the how important it is to weight train. But I know that in this particular scenario, and let's just say maybe it's not Hajimoto's, maybe it is chronic fatigue, maybe it is another autoimmunity, maybe it's endometriosis, or maybe it's lupus, or maybe women are just feeling burned out. And I still feel like a lot of us are still feeling super drained, we're, we're exhausted. So I feel like this is applicable to so many other women, not just women with Hajimoto's. Absolutely. And it goes back to the idea of training smarter, not harder, right? To not build up so much stress that you just like tip yourself over into oblivion and can't drag yourself out of bed. And part of that is strength training, using heavier weights than you probably think you should and this is, you know, sometimes coming from the mindset of we're not lifting pink dumbbells. No five pounder. No. Yeah, right. Like I have women who will look at a 12 pound weight and they'll be like, that's going to hurt me. And I'm thinking, well, you probably have had a suitcase heavier than that. Or if you picked up your kid, you know, they might've been, or grandkid, they might've been heavier than that. <laughs> but yeah, lifting a weight that's heavier than you would think low reps. So oftentimes trainers kind of default to three sets of 10. I don't give a woman with Hashimoto's or someone, you know, dealing with chronic fatigue or any other autoimmune condition, more than five reps. And every rep has the most perfect form, has a breath, the core is braced, the form is on point. And then there is longer rest periods than probably what most people have ever experienced. So, you know, when I watch people work out of the gym, it's like one exercise, the next, the next, the next, and they're out of breath. And I think that idea of like work hard, play hard, they want to feel like beat up after the workout. <laughs> like they, they drained their take. Me, that would be me. Yeah. <laughs> like you're talking about me, girl. So longer rest periods will give you that ability to not walk out of your workout feeling like you just got beat up and, you know, like who knows the next time I'll work out, but strong, stable, like everything's really stable in your body. So for the Hashimoto population, I typically have them work up to two to three days a week working up to 20 to 30 minutes a session. 
So there is no 45 minutes, hour and a half sessions. And in those 20 or 30 minutes, there's rest breaks. It could be resting up to like a minute and a half or two minutes. So I think that's where it's like smarter, not harder and starting to change the mindset of like, I'm going to go in and kill it versus I'm going to turn on all the right muscles do functional compound movements, full body movements. We're not talking bicep curls or tricep dips and working out smarter, not necessarily as hard as we can. I like these. I like these recommendations. I also agree on the 30 minutes. You know, I, I, that's always been my kind of my, once I started dealing with a lot of hormone issues, 30 minutes was kind of that sweet spot for me. Anything more than that felt like I was gonna, I was heading into a stressed scenario And I also love the idea of breaks. You're right. So often, you know, some of our best friends, you know, Gabrielle, I had Teresa on and this episode was so wonderful. A lot of people commented on it, uh, you know, back in the day when we had it at the beginning of the year, because I felt like it was such a great time to do it, but it was basically, I'm trying to pull her up in the episode was number 55 and why, why women of all ages should be weight training. And can you speak, let's talk, let's talk more about not only weight training for that muscle of longevity. A lot of people don't realize how much the muscle plays in our metabolism and our longevity, but can you also talk about some of the other incredible benefits for why women should be weight training? One of them is just to be better at life. So when I'm talking strength training, I'm talking, going back to that, like functional movements, we call them with my women, the essential seven. So a squat, a hinge, a push, a pull, a carry, like you're carrying groceries, a lunge and something through rotation. And we learn how to move when that first two years of life when we are babies. It's on a primal level. You know, we don't walk before we learn to crawl. So everything is sequential. There's milestones we hit. And when we start to train those under load, it will make us better at picking up our grandkids, our kids, picking up the suitcase, putting in the overhead. It just makes us better at life. The other thing would be, I always go to the, that, <laughs> what Gabrielle says, the, the, the organ of longevity, which I love. Because really, we want to be working out till we're 80. Like, whatever it is we want to do, I want people to be, women to be doing it for as long as they want to. I don't want them to like injure their joints, damage their tissue and not be able to do what they want to do. I agree, right? Having that wherewithal. I think one of the things that you mentioned is even just being able to put our suitcases up in the overhead bin, right? So often I see, because I fly, you and I both fly a lot. Well, you're not flying so much right this second, but I (laughs) fly a lot and I'm always seeing women really struggle even earlier than I would expect them to. I was on a flight home just a couple of days ago from Arizona and I was in a precarious spot where I had to grab my luggage with one hand. And I'm, you know, just in case people didn't know, I'm petite. You know, I'm, I'm standing at close to five foot three, but let's be honest, five foot two. But what about with those platform heels? You know, yeah, and I wasn't in platform meals. I was in tennis. I was in some, some little tennis shoes. So I was my normal size. And I grabbed the suitcase and it probably weighed about, I would say 35 pounds, I want to say. And I do a lot of um, one, one, God, I can't describe what it's called, but basically I grab the weight from below and I bring it all the way up to the, to the very top. Um, like a snatch? Like a snatch. Yeah, yeah. exactly. 
And I usually do with 25 pound weights or 30 pound weights, usually 25. Anyway, so I grab this suitcase and I'm going to, I need to bring it down. And if I don't have enough strength, it's going to basically hit the seats. Now, luckily there's no one there in the, in the seat in front of me. I'm the person to come up next to get off the plane. But I, I'm like, okay, we're just going to see. I know I can pretty much handle this. I'm pretty sure I can just bring this thing down with one hand and gently put on the floor and keep it moving. But it was going to be a test to see if I could, because worst case scenario is like, the, the suitcase was going to slam onto the seats and well, it would have been a bit of a, a bit of a spectacle, but it would have been fine. But girl, I snatched that sucker right out and put that thing down and I just kept it moving. And I know people were like, damn, damn. <laughs> such she do it. There's no way I could have been able to do that without core strength with so many parts that I'm working on all the time with strength training. I couldn't have been able to swing that thing right down with one arm. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And I think training the muscles helps stabilize our joints. So if we are feeling signs of hypermobility, so if you looked at someone from the side, from a profile view, and their knees travel back past their ankles, or they're at the top of a plank and their elbows are hyperextended, or they can just palm the floor when they fold forward, those people have tightness in the muscles and they think, oh, I need to get a massage, I need to foam roll, I need to stretch. But those muscles are probably tight because there's a lack of stability and strength somewhere else as it's like compensation. So when you strength train, you start to create more muscle around stabilizing those hypermobile joints. And I've had so many women who've done yoga and they're like, okay, every time I, I feel tight, I do yoga and it feels good for like a day. And then I feel like I got hit by a bus for three days. I take those women off of overstretching in yoga and getting weekly massages. And I put them on a strength training program, like women who've been doing yoga for like 30 years. Sometimes I feel like I'm like taking their soul by taking the one thing they really enjoy away. But I'm like, listen, let's make an experiment four weeks, twice a week, strength training. And they come back and they're like, I feel so good. I feel grounded, right? Because when we're hypermobile and unstable in our joints, it's hard to feel grounded. We feel anxious. We feel kind of like we don't know where our sense of center of our mass is. So you take those women, you put them on a strength training program. They get invited to yoga retreats. They have to turn down those invitations from their friends. They're like, no, 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 I strength train now. <laughs> so it really reigns in that hypermobility in the joints, which I think is also really important. I agree. And, you know, we're speaking about training and how important muscle is. I mean, for metabolism, for cardiovascular health, you know, for our hormones functioning, we really do need, and then, the, you know, we want to be always so mindful about osteopenia and osteoporosis. You know, all of these things are, are reasons to, to consider weight training. I'm so glad we're having this conversation because we're having this conversation for women who are struggling and they may very well think, you know what, I should just be walking. I should just be doing a little bit of light cardio or, or yoga. And I've always believed even when I've struggled and I've felt fatigue that I've weight training has always been a part of it. No matter what, I've just not hit it so hard or done the hit or the plyometrics. I've, I've turned, toned those down 
but it's always been very just just based on the research and that's that's why I'm happy we're having this conversation strength training is something that we should never give up and if you haven't started doing it yet Emily honey you've got some resources for us is that right you got because I know that there are probably women listening to this who said to themselves like I've never strength trained before or I don't know I don't want to injure myself in the gym or I don't feel comfortable in the gym do you have some resources that we can share Yes, I do. So I have a guide, three mistakes that we're doing in our exercise. If we have Hashimoto's and what to do instead. So super actionable, super identifiable. And then I also have an online course called Thyroid Strong. It's a video course. So if someone is ever like, I don't know the form when to, to pick up a weight, like what is a hip hinge? You can literally see it and get cued properly and start to, it's really more of like a beginner, like for someone who's exactly the woman you're talking about, who's done exercise, but doesn't really know how to strength train, all the good cueing for form and where to start. There's a warm up. there's rehab videos, just because I have a background in movement and rehab as a chiropractor. And then there's a component of, you know, as the modern day woman, a lot of us sit at our desk all day. So how do you set your, how to set your desk up? So the ergonomics are awesome and what to be doing every hour to still feel good in your body when you're behind a computer screen. Ooh, that sounds amazing. Oh my goodness, girl. I know I have the link for, I, I got you on the three things that we should be aware of, but also what we should be doing for Hajimoto's. I do not think I have the link for the video series. Would you to hook a sister up or would you share it with us? And then I'll make add it in the show notes. Yeah. So it's on my personal website, dremilykybird.com. And it is forward slash thyroid dash strong. So it's called thyroid strong. It's right on my, uh, right on my website at the top bar too. Perfect. Okay, good. Okay, great. All right. Now, where else can we find you, hon? Where can we plug in and learn more about you? And because I know you you have so much more information, you're a wealth of information. And, and what I love, you're one of my go-to movement experts. And let's be honest, motion is life at it the really end of the is. day. Yes. It is, totally. So I'm on Instagram under my name, Dr. Emily Kybird. Same with Facebook. I have a private Facebook group for people who join Thyroid Strong and it's literally weekly calls going through their programming and anything they're getting caught up on, food recommendations, all that kind of stuff. And if you want to see me in person, probably not anytime soon because I'm about to have a baby, but (laughs) I have a clinic in um, Midtown Manhattan called Urban Wellness Clinic. There's a whole team of doctors, trainers, and also massage therapists and acupuncturists that basically see women with autoimmune conditions and thyroid conditions and teach them how to get out of pain and get strong. Oh, thank you so much, honey. And I am so excited for your new baby adventure. Oh my goodness. <laughs> thank you for sharing not only these amazing resources, but where to find you. And girl, I hope that you have an, a wonderful, wonderful summer so far as you're getting ready for this next baby. Mm, thank you so much. Lots of nesting. Yes, I bet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, girl, I'll see you soon. All right, cool. Thank you. Moving my body has always been a non-negotiable. Honestly, I have been working out since I was 16 years old and playing soccer in high school. I have been consistently working out since then. 
But I also know what it feels like to struggle when I don't have the energy and something is not right in my body. It has happened on more than one occasion and I know I'm not the only one. I have met many women over the years who've struggled to continue to move their bodies when they have had significant fatigue or adrenal issues or just a lack of energy to get through the day. I have been waiting to bring on an expert to address this subject because there is so much conflicting advice out there and I personally always want to know what to do right for my body and be able to pass that information on over to you. So if you are struggling with chronic fatigue or Hajimoto's or you are just simply feeling worn out after a workout and wondering what is going on with me, I want to recommend you go and check out Dr. Emily Kyberg's video series and her wonderful guide that she provided us for this episode. You know that all the links will be in my show notes for episode number 107. You can download them there. Or you can go to my website, drmarisasnyder.com slash podcast and just pull up episode number 107 to grab those wonderful resources. Well, thank you so much for stopping by and listening into the Essentially You podcast. On the next episode, I am coming back to speak on a topic that many of you have been asking me to talk about, and that is what your doctor isn't telling you about endometriosis and how to treat it naturally. I am so excited to dive into this topic. I had spent several weeks just digging into all of the research and all of the information on compiling what I consider to be a very thorough look at endometriosis and how we can get to the root cause of what is going on. And as I mentioned earlier on the show, I cannot wait to have you join me for this summer book club. Catch me on Facebook or Instagram to participate and make sure that you have a copy of the book so that you get the full experience. That way you can take notes, and look at specifics when I do those deep dives for every single chapter. I cannot wait to see you there and answer your questions. Until then, have an amazing day.